Welcome to Family Life Today, brought to you with the compliments of this station and power to change. We're always encouraged to receive your feedback and comments on the program, but I'll tell you how you can do that at the conclusion. But now, here are your Family Life Today presenters, Dave and Ann Wilson. So, you know, you, you sort of have a blind spot. Oh, great. Every, I probably have a lot of Every them. time I bring it up, you deny that it's true, but um, when you drive... Me? You drive really fast because you hate waiting. You don't want to be late. You don't want to... Does anybody like waiting? <laughs> I don't. Do and you? I, and I know I'm I'm even a worse driver. You are. I mean, I can't even believe I'm... But you were like, you, you whip around people and you go in the passing lane. I'm like, have you ever watched you drive? <laughs> we are two people who do not like to wait. I don't know if we're, you know, we're like everybody else, but I think we might be a little bit like Ron Deal, who's with us today. <laughs> Ron Deal's our director of Blended here at Family Life. And Ron's He's with us, uh, Ron Deal. Welcome, and I got to ask you a question: Are you a good waiter? <laughs> I don't mean waiter like waiting at the table, but I mean, are you good at waiting? No, I'm not good at waiting. I don't. I don't know anybody who's good <laughs> at waiting. That's what I What's that line from A Princess Bride? Uh, that wonderful movie. Wait, wait. I hate mm-hmm. wait. I have said that so many times. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not. I I don't know. I'm sure some people are good at it, but most of us aren't. And we're going to listen to a interview you had today on Family Life Today, and I'm guessing it has something to do with waiting. It does. Cheryl Shoemake was a guest on my podcast, and she's written a book called Waiting to Be Wanted, A Stepmom's Guide to Loving Before Being Loved. Now, just let that soak in for a minute. Like, that's a lot of step parents' experience. They're loving, and they're eagerly waiting to be loved and embraced and accepted in return. What do you do in the meantime? But here's the thing. I want all of our listeners to hear me on this. This is not just about blended family waiting. This is about life waiting. This is about faith and our walk with God. That's one application, but there is something in this conversation for everybody. Let me tell you about Cheryl. She is a life coach, a step family educator. She founded a network for stepmoms called Stepmom Sanity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's another great little title there. Mm-hmm. She's written four books, including this Waiting to Be Wanted that we're talking about in this podcast. She and her husband have a yours and mine blended family situation. They live in Michigan. Recently, we had her as one of our guests on a Women and Blended Families Facebook Live that our team put on, included Gayla Grace, who's on our, our team, and Sandy Patty and Lori McGregor. And let me just say, Cheryl was making so many great mic drop moments that Sandy Patty, right in the middle of their conversation, said, wait a minute, i got to write that down. She was taking <laughs> copious notes. So Cheryl is is a woman who's got some things to say, and I just know everybody is going to learn something from this conversation. Ron, I'm guessing based on the topic, this is a topic that's just not for blended. Right. Since we all are in situations where they're waiting, will this benefit all of us? It will. If there's anything in your life that you feel like you're waiting on, this conversation's for you. Cheryl, in your book, Waiting to be Wanted, A Stepmom's Guide to Loving Before Being Loved, you say that waiting is not something that most people do well. Mm-hmm. Why is that? <laughs> well, I mean, waiting is very hard. There's the interval 
the gap between what I have and what I want is often painful and unsettling and exhausting. Mm-hmm. You know, the hoping for something that remains unfulfilled is honestly exhausting. Isn't that what the Word of God tells us, that a hope deferred mm-hmm. makes the heart sick? And I know for me, all too often, my response to waiting is to do whatever I can do to hasten its end. You know, I want to end the inconvenience that the void causes. And so, you know, my go-tos are to fix it, fill it, or finance it. And mm-hmm. none of mm-hmm. that brings it to an end. So then I end up frustrated on top of the pain and the unsettling feeling and the exhaustion as well. Waiting is extremely hard. I think what I just heard you say was waiting is hard, so we try to take control because we don't have any control when we're waiting for something. But when we try to take control, then we discover we still, we still don't, don't have, have control. control. Right. <laughs> and and we're more frustrated now than ever. Is that what I just heard? That's exactly what you heard. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> isn't it such a vicious cycle, isn't it? Oh, yes, yes. And you're right. That scripture, uh, Proverbs thirteen twelve. I love the message version of this. It says, unrelenting disappointment mm. leaves you heart sick. Yes, <laughs> yes. And it's that unrelenting aspect of waiting that just saddens your heart, empties yes. your heart, makes you heart sick. Man, I love the way you said it. It is exhausting. Yes, yes, it is. You know, and I, I um, often find that when I am heart sick that I don't respond well to the Mm. circumstances that are involved in me waiting because again my heart is I'm focused on relieving the heart sickness and so Mm -hmm. but but you know I think too Ron that um when we rush to end the waiting that we deny ourselves the pleasure of unwrapping this amazing gift so as frustrating and and heart-rending waiting can be or unfulfilled longing can be, there really is an amazing gift that God has given us in the waiting. Okay, you got to unpack. We got to talk to it. Because, yes, uh, from some spiritual eternal standpoint, I totally agree with what you're saying. (laughs) But the experience is day in and day out. This stinks. Right? <laughs> okay, so I'm waiting. It's like a kid waiting for Christmas. It, it, yes, it's going to get here one of these days, but it's not now. Right, right. <laughs> but, you know, what I find, though, that uh, what I found in my own journey is that while I was waiting, God used that time. He used that time mm. to transform me, to transform my heart, to draw mm-hmm. me closer to himself to refocus my attention so that I was no longer panting after the unfulfilled longing, but I Mm -hmm. panted more after him and, and, Mm -hmm. and that my hopeful expectation was no longer fixed on fulfillment. It was no longer fixed on desire. It was fixed on him. And so waiting is really a tool. I love Isaiah 30. 18. It says, yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, Mm. he will rise up to show you compassion for the Lord is a God of justice. Then it says, blessed, happy to be envied, favored are all who wait 
for him. You know, he he uses waiting to shift our attitude from just waiting to now Mm. waiting upon him. And he never disappoints. He never, ever leaves us wanting for what we truly need, not necessarily what we desire, but what we truly need. Let's just go one step further with what you just said. So shift what you're waiting for from the thing, whatever that is that you're chasing, to waiting on the Lord. And that that is something that helps you in the meantime. It does. What does that look like practically? Like if somebody is listening right now and you're going, okay, so what do I do? Like how do I do this waiting on the Lord thing? Right. Well, let me say up front that waiting on the Lord is not a passive enterprise at all. It definitely is very active. But what you're doing is you're you're determining, God, what is it that you're asking me to do in this moment? And I'm going to obey you, be that, pick up the phone and call my bonus child and just tell mm-hmm. them I love you. Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to spend a moment in prayer or this incident that just happened really hurt me and I need to talk it out. So maybe I need to go and find a therapist and talk through that and work through some of these issues that I'm going through waiting on the Lord to change the heart of another individual is not passive. It is not this time where you're just sitting by with inactivity. You're very Mm -hmm. active in your waiting, Mm -hmm. but all of it is directed by his Holy Spirit. Hmm. Okay. So being active, turning to him, Mm -hmm. trying to trust him while you wait. While you wait. You know, it occurs to me as you were talking, like everything in our world is trains us not to wait. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've got 5G for crying out loud. Yes, we we, we, we've got fast food everywhere. We've got apps. You can order stuff so that when you drive up, it's waiting on you when you get there or it arrives from Amazon the very next day. <laughs> we have right? internet-based church. You don't even have to drive to, in the car to go to church if you don't want to anymore. All of that sort of really programs us. Like the world almost should wait on us, doesn't it? It does. It it really, we've created this very self-focused idea of how to be in this life, of how to Mm -hmm. interact with individuals. And we despise inconvenience. And waiting is a huge inconvenience. It it certainly Mm -hmm. is. And and we despise all that comes along with waiting, the uncertainty and, and so on and so forth. You're listening to Family Life Today, and uh, we're actually listening to a portion of the Family Life Blended podcast with uh, our Family Life Blended leader, Ron Deal, and a conversation he had with Cheryl Shoemake. And, you know, Ron, it's interesting that as, you know, she walks us through her journey, her focus of her hope changed. Mm. Yeah, it did. As I had this conversation with her, I sort of had a realization waiting is sort of like fasting. Mm -hmm. You know, it's one of those things that we do that helps us (laughs) divert our attention away from all the things of life that we put our hope in, you know, our schedules and the possessions that we have and the money we have. And it's, you know, fasting is that I'm not even going to eat food. I'm going to focus on God. I'm going to wait on him. And, and that concept of waiting is just like that. Like I can't trust in anything else. Hmm. I need to just quiet my soul, focus in on God and trust him. Sounds good. Let's go back to your conversation with Cheryl. It seems to me that many people in step families and step parents are a really good example of this. They're always waiting for somebody to open up to them. Yeah. I'm wondering about your experience 
in waiting to be wanted, in waiting for mm-hmm. somebody to open up. What happened in your journey? Well, I definitely was on the waiting in and with uh, one stepchild in particular on the longer end of waiting. So I do want the mm-hmm. listener to understand that don't be surprised if one child turns towards you before another or if one child turns towards you and then turns away from you. That's a very common phenomenon mm-hmm. in step family life. But my experience initially was um, very disconcerting. I think that's a good Mm. word, disconcerting to me. I thought I was well prepared. We had read your book, The Smart Step Family. So, of course, I know what I'm going to do. Of course. course. (laughs) You had all the answers at that point. all of the answers, right? The reality has a way of crushing our expectations. (laughs) It really does. And the reality of of my family was that it was not so easy to blend. My daughter had Mm. recently lost her father. So we had a grieving child, grieving the death of a parent. And we had um, bonus children who loved me when we were dating and having fun. But now that I'm another adult in the home, didn't quite know how they felt about me. And Mm -hmm. and they let their trepidation be made known. Mm -hmm. Uh, They were very obvious with it, (laughs) for lack of a better term. And and so I had to learn how to be very flexible and adjust my expectations, manage them, and really learn how to depend on the Lord and be honest with myself about what I was feeling and honest with my husband about what I was going through. And and thank God for a supportive spouse. They make all the Mm -hmm. difference in the world. He Mm -hmm. was very supportive in my own journey. And once I learned what waiting was doing for me, not to me, but for me, then it became easier. Not I didn't do it perfectly, and it certainly was still very hurtful at times, but the journey became easier when I recognized that this was a God thing, that God had called me to this role, and that he would meet me in the waiting. And while he met me in the waiting. He taught me how to love children who were acting out of their own hurt without absorbing all of the pain of their hurtful actions. Okay, there's a whole lot in what you just said. Let's slow it down a little sure. bit. So, um, how old were the kids, the bonus children? My bonus children, when we got married, they were 12 and almost nine at the time. And I call our family a super blended family because my um, husband had a stepdaughter from his first marriage and she's right in the fold as well. She's the oldest. And at that time she was 21. Okay. So 21, then 12, eight and. And my daughter at the time was 14. Got it. Got it. Okay. So there it is. Um, everybody's on their own journey. We all know that. Mm-hmm. We've talked about different this, stages on this of podcast life. many times before. Right. Different stages of life, different developmental issues going on with children and stages of for children. And so different levels of openness to step parents and step siblings and all of that. In the beginning, when those expectations and by the way, I love this quote in your book, waiting on the heart of your stepchild to turn towards you is a graduate-level course in unmet expectations. That's really good. While you're waiting and you're realizing this is not happening the way I thought or hoped that it would, and at first you're feeling that angst, what did you do? What were you feeling the most? I guess that's really what I want to know. Like, what were those key emotions that you were feeling? Was it rejection? What was it? It was definitely rejection. Um, I, I felt out of place. 
I knew what my role was in my own conventional family. And even after the divorce, I was still the head of the household. I was the mom in the home. Um, My place was very secure. So I certainly was feeling a little unsteady as well, which was um, not usual. And I felt not always connected. And so I don't, you know, we don't like disconnection at all. I don't, you know, I want to be connected to the people that are around me. That was very hard for me. And uh, there was actually a time I actually ran away. That's how we we kept two homes initially so that my daughter could finish high school in the community that she grew up in. They were 60 miles away. And it was, there was one weekend where she was at our other home with my mom and I was here with my husband and and my bonus children and and they were ignoring me. I I felt invisible Mm. at times. They were ignoring me and I announced very haughtily on my ad, I'm done with this. I'm going home. And I left the home. And I honestly, the further I drove away, the worse I felt and the better I felt. It was such a dichotomy going on Mm -hmm. there. And that's the other thing. Like you're so, your emotions are all over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you went into fight, flight, or freeze. You went into flight. I went into flight, yes. (laughs) Yeah, like I just can't stay in this environment where I'm isolated, I'm an outsider, and they're keeping me on the outside, and I'm being rejected and and I need to break from this and and by the way I want to say to the listener that is understandable especially when you just feel overwhelmed in a significant way mm-hmm. and so for you you took off mm-hmm. and the further you got away am I hearing you say in one way you felt relieved mm-hmm. and in another sense you felt even more disconnected is that the way it was? So you kind of a double bind there? It, it was definitely a double bind. I felt relieved yeah. in that I didn't have to deal with the pressure. And I was going towards the one person at that time in my life who uh, was steady and yeah. who brought consistent joy. And that was my daughter, right? But I also felt very disconnected and very hurt mm-hmm. by that because I'm leaving this man I have pledged my life to and these children that I really did want to love and, and open up to. But it was very difficult. And, and the pressure got to me in that moment. I don't necessarily recommend it, but you know, every once in a while we need, I always say, get a stepmom bug out bag and have a safe place to go <laughs> in your bag. <laughs> get there, recalibrate your emotions <laughs> And and then you can go home a better you. So So we're listening to a conversation Ron Deal, who's with us, had with uh, Cheryl Shoemake about a really interesting blended family situation. But uh, you know as well as anybody, Ron, that's probably pretty common. Where you get to the point where you need a break. I'm just going to say every mom can feel that where I just, I need to pack a bag like that. I like that idea. Yeah. And she got away for the weekend. She did. You know, you got to do some self-care and refresh every now and then so that, you know, you don't just do, you know, a lot of people today will say things like I'm doing self-care, which means I am not being responsible for anything anymore. Like, no, that's not really the way it works. It's self-care for the purpose of being able to rejuvenate and bring back a better you, as she said there in that last statement, so that you can come back and serve again. And really, you know, guys, that's the hard part. For anybody who's listening, mom, dad, married, not married, whatever the case may be, There's all we all have situations in our lives where 
more is required of us than really we feel like, you know, we're not being fed. This is a one-way street. I'm giving, giving, giving. How do I continue to do that? Sometimes we just got to pull back, wait on the Lord, and have him rejuvenate uh, who we are and help us go forward. I know I'm not good at this. I don't know about you, Ron, but I can run and run. <laughs> and when I feel tired and I even know I need a break, I just can keep running. And Ann will look at me and say, you need to you need to stop. Well, you need you to can, take a day, take an hour. You can run. And you know what I can do sometimes? I just want a Netflix binge. Yeah. And I think we can just all numb out some way. But I like that idea of going to God of really calling out to him, asking him for wisdom, too. And I feel like that's what she did. You know, as I talked with her, it made me reflect on Psalm 25. Listen to this. Oh, my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. You know what? We all feel like we have some sort of enemy. And for Cheryl, it was that moment in her family where she just felt overwhelmed and didn't know what else to do. But listen to this. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous towards us. So make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Now think about that. There is a lesson to be learned in waiting. There are moments where we have to just say, I don't know, Lord, it's all you. I'm just trusting in you to see me through, to build my strength, whatever it is that I need to know to find my path. And I just want to say, as we continue this conversation with Cheryl tomorrow, she's going to talk about some of the things she learned in her waiting and the practical things that came to her so that she could, in her situation, be a better stepmom. Yeah, and the truth is, and we know this, that would not have happened for her if she wouldn't have taken the break. Yeah. I'm escaping, but in some sense, when she was able to get away, and it's true for us as well, when we get our eyes off of often the situation we're in and take a break and go vertical, like, you know, Psalm 25, and we get our eyes on the Lord, Mm -hmm. we come back renewed, refreshed with a new perspective, and it can change everything just like it did for Cheryl. Absolutely. This is a great conversation, and I can't wait to get to the content tomorrow. Thank Dave and Ann Wilson and their team for another edition of Family Life Today. Although our programs are produced in America, the issues facing families like forgiveness, communication and taking care of our kids transcend national borders. These issues profoundly affect relationships everywhere. In Australia, family life is known as power to change and our mission is to effectively develop godly families the kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. Does your marriage need a tune-up or perhaps a bit of an overhaul? Come to A Day Together, our one-day marriage conference that focuses on helping couples develop oneness in their marriage. For a list of dates and locations near you, see our website at families.powertochange.org.au. Until tomorrow, God's blessings.